Welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat, where I talk to entrepreneurs and business people from all walks of life and all levels of success, from millionaires to the people who are just starting out and everyone in between. My objective is not only to learn about their businesses and goals, but about their challenges and fears as well, all with the hopes of helping them and you find a pathway to success. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm so excited that you are joining me today for a conversation with Jesse Cole. And Jesse is the owner of Fans First Entertainment, which owns and operates the Savannah Bananas and the Gastonia Grizzlies baseball teams. The teams have welcomed more than 1 million fans to their ballparks and have been featured on MSNBC, CNN, ESPN, and more. Cole's teams have been awarded Organization of the Year, Entrepreneur of the Year, Business of the Year, and have won three CPL championships. The Savannah Bananas currently have sold out 32 straight games and have a waiting list in the thousands of tickets. And what's interesting about that is that Jesse shared with me that most of the fans who show up to the park are not even baseball fans. They're there really for the experience and not for the game of baseball, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Cole is also an in-demand speaker and author of Find Your Yellow Tux, How to Be Successful by Standing Out, which was released earlier this year. And I read it uh, and immediately went out to find Jesse and get him booked on this podcast. And he is also the host of the Business Done Differently podcast. Jesse, welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. I'm pumped. Excited to have some fun with you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, as I mentioned, I, I read your book, really enjoyed it. It got me thinking differently about how can and should I stand out as I'm doing business and building a business on my own as an independent consultant? I mean, even, you know, starting a podcast and building a personal brand, uh, aside from yelling at wearing a yellow tux, which you're wearing now, uh, but what other things can I do to stand out? So it really got me thinking and there's some good exercises in there and maybe we can talk about some of that stuff today. Um, before we get to that, I thought, you know, maybe we start with a little bit of your origin story and uh, you can tell us how you got to where you are today. Sure. Yeah. I uh, grew, up, grew up in Massachusetts, big baseball player. Baseball was my life. Went down to college in uh, South Carolina at Wofford, played baseball, loved baseball. And then I tore everything in my shoulder and that ended my career pretty quickly. And I thought about going to coaching and I realized one thing that I love playing baseball, but I didn't enjoy watching baseball. It's a whole different thing. And I think many people will agree that to many baseball is long, slow and boring. And even today you're going over three plus hours so as I realized I was watching baseball, I didn't enjoy it that much, but I got an email about an internship right out of college where I'd work on the front office and I'd have an opportunity to kind of, you know, train what baseball could be like. And I took that and within two months, I got offered a job as a general manager, which was crazy at 23 years old, took over a struggling, uh, that would be an understatement of the team in North Carolina. I mean, 200 fans coming to the games, losing hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I realized that we could no longer be a baseball team. We had to be about entertainment. And I'm always, I always ask people, what business are you in, but what business are you really in? And I think a lot of people think they're in this certain type of business, and most people are playing the same game, especially in baseball. It's about wins and losses. Well, no, it's about the experience. People are coming for fun. And so we turned it into a circus at our ballpark. I remember calling the owner of the team then and said, we're no longer going to be a baseball team. Our players are going to do choreographed dances. We're going to grandma beauty pageants. I'm going to get in the dunk tank and it's going to be a circus. And that's what we turned it into. So a few years later, I bought that team in Gastonia. Uh, recently, after 10 years of huge success, I just sold the majority interest of that franchise to focus solely on our Savannah Bananas, which to say has been a wild ride would be an understatement. Uh, now we've sold out every single game for the last two years. And 
you really, it's all about that circus-like atmosphere and standing out and knowing where we can be different. And I think that's the big key for businesses and entrepreneurs is not try to be a me too business. Everybody tries to be maybe a little bit better or a little bit faster, or a little bit quicker. We're not playing that game. What can you do that makes you not even have the competition of the other people you're going against? And that's what we've made our games like. Yeah, really interesting. And I know you covered a lot there in a, in a short amount of time, but I love what you said about thinking about why are we here and why are fans coming to the park? And is it really just about baseball? And if so, then, you know, I hadn't thought about this, but, you know, for most teams, it's, well, then how do we just become better than the other teams, right? And so that's, you think about Major League Baseball, everyone's spending as much money as they can to put the best teams on the field and not thinking as much about the experience, although maybe they are more these days. Uh, I used to go to a lot of baseball games myself. But going back to, you know, how you started out in this, because you, you grew up playing baseball and where it was all about winning, uh, I assume. But how did you get this in your mind that, hey, we really need to think a lot more about the experience and how do we stand out versus let's just put a winning team together? Well, that first year in Gastonia, North Carolina, 23 years old, I looked, the team was going to the playoffs. They went to the championship and only 200 fans were coming to the games. And then I remember that September when I took the job, I watched some of the baseball playoff games. And this is like the Atlanta Braves, some of the top teams, and they couldn't even sell out their stadium for playoffs. So if you're having this like top level baseball and people aren't, aren't coming, there's a problem there. And so that's when I realized, hey, let's create something that no matter how well the team performs, people still have an amazing time. And we call every one of our games a show. When people walk in, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy the show. If you said you'd enjoy the game and the team lost 14 to nothing, they're going to say, no, I didn't enjoy the game, but they could enjoy the show. And you focus on what you can control. And I know every night, I mean, we have a senior citizen dance team dancing Justin Timberlake at our games. We have a break dancing first base coach who does a thriller while he's giving signals. I mean, we have players go on dates with fans in the middle of the game and slow dance during the game. I mean, it's all about this experience. And when you create that, no matter what happens on the field, people leave having a great time. And that's what we focus on. And in your business, what can you be the best at? And we realize we're playing a completely different game than everyone else, but we can control it. And that's what we focus on. Okay, so you have this idea and you start trying some of these different things to really stand out. And you mentioned things like uh, players doing choreographed dances and going on dates with fans during the game. And I think about these players and you came up as a player. These are, these are players, guys who want to play baseball. How do you get them to do things like this when they come over to your team? Uh, I think this is actually goes into a bigger conversation about how do you onboard employees? Mm. And how do you actually bring them in? And what moments do you create? You know, you talked earlier about fans. I think every business should look at the people they work with as fans. When you're a fan, you're passionate about something. You wear the merchandise. You're all into it. And if you treat not only your customers as fans, but your employees as fans, then you're really onto something. So I thought, hey, these players are coming in. We have a full week of orientation. You know, we literally teach them about the fans' first culture, what we're about. And they understand, hey, wow. There's a reason why every single game is selling out. And they may go on the road and play in front of 400 people, but every night they're playing in front of 4,000 fans. And it happens when the proof is in the pudding. The first day, we have our fan fest, which really, being very open, is practice. It's just a practice. Yet thousands of people show up to watch the team practice, and the players are like, what have we got into ourselves into? And at that point, they realize that they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And if you're a part of a business and you're a part of something bigger than yourself, you will do anything to continue that feeling and to have purpose. And so, yes, have we had players roll their eyes? I remember the first time I told a guy that he had to dance. He said, I'm never doing this. Are you kidding me? And stormed off to the bullpen. 
Yet halfway through the season, when he realized that literally the players that were doing the dancing were signing the most autographs, were the most popular, by halfway through the season, he was ripping his belt off and throwing it over his head and dancing on the field. So you, you have to show the people that you care and understand that it's a bigger thing. And I tell these guys, I want you to have the best summer of your life. And it's our goal to deliver that. But here's how it's going to happen. And uh, I think it's just the whole big picture of the onboarding process. So, I mean, we have guys now that literally, I mean, they, they did a crazy shower scene with like water to back streets back. I mean, they're coming up with the ideas now. They don't want to go crazier because they're, they're living in it. They're living the brand, which is unbelievable to watch. Okay. So you're making them all part of the brand and part of the experience and then getting them completely bought into it as you are with all your employees and making them fans. I, I like that. So you, you built this really cool business for these great experiences and on the face of things, things are going really well now, but I know from reading your book that it wasn't always that way. You went through some tough times in the beginning as you were trying to build this. What were some of the biggest challenges you faced when you, you were trying to build this fans first, you know, experience with these baseball teams? Well, when we first came to Savannah in October of 2015, uh, no one supported us. There was professional baseball in Savannah, Georgia for 90 years. And we showed up as this college summer baseball team. You know, to your listeners, I even explained that. I mean, we're one of the lowest levels of baseball, yet every single game sold out. But when we first came here, we sold one season ticket in our first two months. I mean, it was bad. And uh, it got so bad to the point that in January, you know, we got a phone call from one of our employees and said we overdrafted our account. We had no money left. And, you know, the story I share in my book is that my wife and I just recently married, had to literally sell our house, had to empty out our savings account and buy this falling apart duplex that was the nastiest place I've ever seen just to live and sleep on an airbed. But what I learned from that, and I think everyone needs to learn, no matter what you stand for, no matter how great your brand is, if you don't have attention, if you don't have the eyes and ears of your potential customers, it doesn't matter. Because we were marketing like crazy, but no one knew who we were. So that's when we went crazy and named ourselves the Savannah Bananas and started coming up with all these ideas. We got the attention and then we built them into our brand of fans first and the most amazing experience that you can have at a sporting event. That's what happened. So it, it struggled. We now, my wife and I have a real bed. So we've come full circle, no longer on an air bed. Nice. Uh, and it took a little bit to get to that point, but it was an unbelievable struggle getting the community to buy in, but we had to get that attention first. We had to get them to know who we were. Yeah. Speaking of getting the community buy-in, I remember you told the story in the book about naming the team, the Bananas, and how you had, a, I think, maybe a contest for that. And you didn't necessarily choose the most popular name. You chose the name that you thought would stand out, but that it wasn't very popular. How did that work out? That, the night that we came out, February, I'll never forget that day, February 25th. 2016. So, you know, you think about when the day you got married, you know, the day you had your first kid, and then February 25th, 2016, because that was the day we announced the Savannah Bananas. And uh, it was all exciting. We were number one trending on Twitter, ESPN, CNN, everyone was reaching out. And then all of a sudden, locally, we were getting crucified. Literally, people were emailing us constantly saying, the owner should be thrown out of town. You guys are embarrassment to the city. You'll never sell a ticket. I mean, it was, it was crazy. We were crucified. But mm -hmm. what happened was, we got people talking. And I think we need to be able to embrace criticism. If you're not getting criticized at all, you're not doing enough. And I think what happens is most people play it too safe. They're just worried about maybe incremental gains or sustaining their business. Well, you got to get loud once in a while. You got to try things. And yes, some will fail, but I think that's a big part of our DNA of our business is constantly trying new things to get people talking and, and, and have fun. I mean, that's what our brand is. It's, it's have fun. So if people can't take the fact that we offered President Obama an internship 
right after he lost his, he's no longer president. You know, that's who we are. You just have to be able to deal with it. And, and uh, that's how we built our business. But I think every business can learn what are you doing to create attention, stay in front of your people's ears and do things that keep people talking about you. Yeah. Oh man, that's, uh, that's interesting. I love that. And yeah, correction there. Obama was termed out of office. Not, uh, yes, yes, I don't think yes. he lost anything, but what did, did he accept the internship? What did he say? We never heard from him. You know, it was very, very disheartening. You know, we offered him a host family. We offered him, you know, we were going to give him some opportunity to make money. I mean, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe he had some other offers out there. He probably did. Well, we actually offered uh, President Bush uh, the same offer eight years ago. And we heard from one of his staffers that uh, he was too busy with his memoirs to, uh, we got a phone call, but I, re- I really appreciated the, the call back. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's nice. This episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. At Advantage, we offer creative learning solutions that can help accelerate leadership development, business acumen, sales performance, and business results. Our clients say we're imaginative, collaborative, insightful, and fun. For more info, visit AdvantagePerformance.com or call us at 415-925-925. 6832. And now back to the show. Well, speaking of that, I also remember reading about your hiring practices and how you bring people in from all kinds of different backgrounds and really focus more on talent than necessarily filling a specific role. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about the importance of finding the right people and, and really giving them the platform to, to really grow and, and utilize their strengths? I think one of the best lessons I learned was from Mark Zuckerberg, who said, you want to hire people that you would work for. You want to hire people that are better than you. And I believe 100% you need to surround yourself with people that are better than you. And I think a lot of times entrepreneurs, business owners, they want to be at the top of the totem pole. They want to have the most power. Well, it, it takes a while, but you need to get past the ego and your pride and hire people that have more experience than you. So we look for people, like for instance, most baseball teams, what do they look for? They're looking for people with baseball expertise. Nope, not us. We just hired our director of fun, who literally was the cruise director for Norwegian's top cruise ship, and actually has never seen a baseball game in his life. So he just joined us six months ago, and it's hilarious. He doesn't know, like, does the home team bat at the bottom of the inning? What's happening here? Like, he doesn't know. But you know what he does know is how to put on a show. He was a cruise director for 5,000 people every single week. So that's a perfect compliment. So I, I think, you know, that when you, whatever business you're in, look for those people that are unbelievable in other fields and bring them in. And then you have this great melting pot of people that can create something very innovative that can grow. So we're constantly looking for people not in the baseball industry. And we don't go to baseball conferences. You know, I mean, you know, you try to go to conferences in your field. No, no, we, we go to different conferences. I mean, we try to learn from Disney and Ritz Carlton and try to go to like uh, social media marketing things and not just sports conferences. And I, I believe in that 100%. Man, that's, yeah, that's interesting. And it's like, as you're saying that, I'm starting to think, yeah, if you're already a baseball team, what would you gain from going to a baseball conference or learning, you know, from 15 years of baseball experience? Like baseball as a game hasn't really changed in no. 150 years. Well, then you become the me too business. How do you really become innovative? I mean, Starbucks, Howard Schultz, he learned it by going to Italy. He learned what they were doing. That's how he brought that concept to the United States and expanded it. So if you stay with the same people in the same field, you're only going to be slightly a little bit better. You need to bring, bring other, other uh, you know, ideas and experience into the mix. Well, speaking of that, uh, as you build your business and your brand, what companies and people do you look to that you learn from and, and follow? Are there, are there teams? Are there companies? Are there other authors and people that you look to as mentors? Well, I think what we realize is 
our goal, our name of our company is Fans First Entertainment. Our mission is Fans First Entertain Always. And we believe we can provide the best fan experience in the world for our customers and employees. So if that's what we believe we can do, we're constantly looking at the companies that are the best at customer service and the best at creating amazing cultures. That's what we're studying. So, you know, I studied a lot of Zappos, uh, Warby Parker, Netflix, the innovative companies, really Walt Disney. I mean, be honest, I've read every Walt Disney book there is. I know you're in Orlando just because he understood the vision and understood what it mattered to really care. And the fact that Walt Disney still has the legacy 50 years after it. I mean, how many times do you lose a founder in 50 years still has the brand intact? It's unbelievably impressive, the culture that he built. So that's what we're looking for. And yeah, do we study, you know, Ritz Carlton and some of the cruise ships and what they do? 100%. Whoever's providing great fan customer experiences. And it's tough for me. I call customers fans and I call our employees fans. So even just saying fan experiences, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, that makes sense. And you want to look at those companies that are providing the best experience. And when you talked about employees as fans, I was also, because maybe because I travel so much, I was thinking about Southwest Airlines and the fact that they have made their employees such fans of the brand, whereas the other airlines I fly, eh, they're not always so excited to be there. You know, and you can, you can tell the difference. And I'm sure you can with, with your, your fans, your employees versus people working other places. And I'll jump in there. It starts with a word that most entrepreneurs don't like talking about, and it's love. If you look at Southwest Airlines, their actual symbol used to be love, L-U-V, right. their stock symbol. And that's what they stand for. And they care about their people so much that they love them. We treat our fans first family as literally family. And we tell each other that we love them. And I think that's something that I wish would be more acceptable in the workplace because it's unbelievable how much that carries, how much weight that carries, and how people will do anything to extend that to their customers as well. I'm curious, as you have built this and especially what you've done with the Savannah Bananas, and maybe that's become more well-known because it has been, you've been featured on uh, national networks and gotten a lot of press and trended on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. And you've changed the game and sold out games that were, I'm guessing, a lot of other small-time minor league or summer college league teams are not doing that. Have you had other teams trying to mimic what you're doing and changing how they're doing business as a result? To an extent, and I, and I hope so. I think there's a lot of pride in sports that people want to do things their own way, and that's great. But you know, the more we're helping each other think about the fan experience, the better. So yes, we've seen some other teams have tried doing their players dance and a few other things. Like you know, we give our we give roses. To, the players deliver roses to girls in the crowd every single night. Little girls, three, you know, that those type of things. We've seen some other teams use that, but I love it. You know, the reality is, the more they can do that, the better because it's providing a better experience. So I, I hope more. I think that's a uh, what's that? The greatest sense of flattery is uh, imitation is the greatest sense of flattery. Right. So, yeah. Absolutely. So uh, we're, we're open to it. But again, we're, I mean, right in my book stand right now, I have nine books that I'm taking so many ideas from them as well. So sure. uh, I appreciate that. And I think everyone needs to be a sponge and learn from other people. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at other companies, you're, you're taking ideas from them. You wrote a book to share your ideas and share your experiences and what you've done. Well, speaking of that and sharing your experience in other teams, one thought that kept going through my head as I'm reading this and about the success you have in your team is, why hasn't he done with his other teams? Why hasn't he franchised this, you know, to start the Savannah Bananas of yeah, whatever? Can I open a team down here in Orlando, you know, work under you and, and build the same model? Where I imagine you've thought of that. What have you been doing there? 100%. And, and what I've learned is, is my family, we just, my, I just had my uh, first kid, son, Maverick, my wife and I. And, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And family matters so much to us and the way we are and my wife's unbelievable. She's been a part of all the teams. She started as our director of fun as well and then became we owners together. We commit so much into that experience. 
And for us to not be able to be at different ballparks and be a part of that, you know, an owner there thanking and having the pep band greet you and part of that, it's uh, for us, we'd rather now focus on making one potentially a worldwide impact. You know, if you look at what the Globetrotters have done, they have one mm-hmm. brand that they've traveled all over the world. I think that makes more sense for us at this point as opposed to franchising it out. Um, and it's different goals. You know, could it grow and be successful? Yeah, 100%. But we love being a part of it and feeling those connections and relationships. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. And if I wanted to start a team down here and wear a blue tux? <laughs> that would be great. I'd help every way I could. <laughs> no, but I mean, seriously, there could be a lot of different teams. But again, every community is so different. And yeah. I think it's about sports teams. You know, there's Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, all these brands you know, they can be the same thing wherever you go. But a team is really a fabric of that community. Mm-hmm. And it's really built into that community. And if you look at owners that own numerous teams, there's one team that's here, another team that's here. There are different levels because it's not as easy to replicate the success because of the fabric of the community that goes into building a team. And we thought about that a lot. And we grew our Gastonia team to be very successful. And then now we've come now focus more on the Savannah team. So uh, that makes me wonder, uh, you know, you've, you've, built a lot of success here. You're sold out pretty much the whole season, right? Mm -hmm. And I know you're always trying to do different things and and keep things fresh and provide a great experience for your fans. But at the same time, it seems like there's kind of a ceiling on growth there. And I know that most fulfillment comes through growth. So there must be other things that you're trying to do. So where do you go from here? How do you grow and, and continue to do different things? Right. I was, I was having a conversation the other day on a podcast and he said, sounds like you'd have what's next on your tombstone. That's what it would say. What's next? Because great entrepreneurs are always looking for new things. Right. New challenges. And, um, you know, for me, I think it's going to be something that we look to change the game of baseball in the sense that I still believe baseball is too long, too slow and too boring. Nine innings is too long. So if we're a part of a league right now, do we expand to make something our own, a different form of baseball, a different type of league that maybe we have at Houston, Savannah. Do we take this team, the Bananas, and our traveling circus and players on the road and travel all over the country, like I mentioned, the Globetrotters? So we are balancing that. And then also the idea of this fans first university. I love the, the teaching of people to look at their customers' employees as fans. So there's a few different avenues we're looking, and I think we're going to be making some decisions pretty quickly on where we go with that. Okay. What's, that, what's, give you, that give you a little tease? Does that give you a little give bit? A little, little taste, yeah. I'm ready to see this thing go on the road, uh, you know, and, and I'm curious if, if, if the Bananas go in the road and start playing in different places like Globetrotters, do they play the same team every time like the Globetrotters do, or do they play different teams? You know, I guess I'll have to wait to find out. <laughs> well, what, what makes sports great? If you can combine the element of the entertainment plus the, uh, the element of the competition and the competitiveness of not knowing who's going to win, and so that's, I think, a thing that uh, lacks with the Globetrotters is every night they're going to beat the Washington Generals or who they're right. playing. Yeah. We like to figure out how do you do that where you never know who's going to win that night. It can be a really good competition. Mm. So that's the balance we're going to play with that. And interesting, too, that I, I grew up a big baseball fan and I used to go to a lot of baseball games. I lived in L.A. and I had season tickets to the Dodgers for many years and I would go to sit in that park for many, many baseball games. And I was considered myself a baseball traditionalist for many years. But as you're saying that, I'm thinking – yeah, they could cut a couple innings off of those games, and uh, I think we'd be just fine. Like it just—it took a little bit too much time. Yeah, well, well, every everything in world in the world right now is speeding up, except for baseball slowing down. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, attention spans are shorter. Yet baseball is getting longer. Right. And they have their phones. They have technology. So baseball hasn't changed. It is so primed and ready to be disrupted, and we would like to be a part of that disruption. And mm-hmm. we're hopefully in the next couple of years to be a part of that. 
What's the thing that you're most excited about right now? Is it that? Yeah, it's different. You know, in the middle of the season, the best feeling in the world is being at the gate and our whole staff lines up and we thank the fans and they hug us and say, you can't believe how much of an impact you made on my family and having these games. And for us, seeing that joy of people at the gates, and that's a big thing too. I believe the last impression leaves a lasting impression. And we have our whole staff lined up thanking people. That's an amazing feeling. I get excited about that, but I get excited about our employees. I mean, in the book, everyone on our staff's millennials, 22 to 26 years old. They're running this team. I'm excited to see them grow. So I look very personal in that sense of the connection between our customers and fans and our employees. Um, So that excites me every day, trying to help them grow. And then, yeah, the idea of changing the game of baseball is pretty thrilling. That's cool. So I know that when you wrote the book, you, you talked a lot about your experience in building this team, but you also intended to lend that to teaching other people, you know, how to stand out. And so I, I thought it'd be good to talk about that for a little bit because there may be some people listening thinking, look, that's really great if you're running a baseball team and you're wearing a yellow tux and people are showing up to a stadium every night, but I'm a co- coach or a consultant or I'm running uh, you know, a small business over here. What can I do to stand out and, and start to realize some of the effects that you've seen with your baseball team? Perfect. Well, it starts with questions. So the first question when I'm working with companies is I'll ask, yeah, what makes you stand out? What makes you different? And the reality is most businesses don't have a great answer. They're saying we're, we're this, we're a little bit better. Like I said, we're a little bit faster, we're a little bit smaller, we're a little bit quicker. Well, that's, that's, not, that's not standing out. So I asked that question. The next thing you look at is the mirror moment. And you know, look at your industry. Whatever industry you're in, what frustrates people about the industry you're in? What frustrates people about the business? Put yourself in the customer's shoes. And this is what Netflix did. And that's why Blockbuster's dead. You look at Uber and Lyft, Airbnb, all these disruptors looked at what frustrated people. So start there, no matter what business you're in. And then from there, what is the best possible fan experience you can provide? And you put those three together. And what I mean, map it out. Most people think, oh, they come this. No, I'm talking about first time going to your website to when they actually buy from you, to when they show up. Map it out and think over the top. Uh, You know, I was working with a, a home builder and he took his whole staff together and, and spouses and everyone and said, what would be the best possible experience for someone buying a home? And now you think about it, Andy, someone buying a home, you write a check <laughs> and you sign paperwork and then hopefully nine months, a year, however long it takes, you have a home. Well, they do it the exact opposite way. And that's one of my favorite quotes is, you know, whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. So when someone buys a home from them, here's what they do. They immediately get a video sent to them. And it's like a rap video of these older people celebrating with money flying around, signing the contract, dancing. They're like, this is your new home building family. Welcome. And then they get a gift of an iPad, a Yeti cooler, t-shirts. They have them fill out a quick quiz about their favorite snacks, their favorite food, everything. And then throughout the process of buying their home, they go and do drone footage, literally showing the home being built and laying the cement. They've even picked up people in a limo on an anniversary and brought them to their house, which wasn't yet built, just framed out and had a private dinner for them sitting there with roses, their favorite music, and they're not even framed out house. And then when they finish, they have a ribbon cutting, a red carpet and champagne. They mapped out that perfect customer journey. And that's a home builder. That's not a baseball company, but what's happened. They don't have to spend any more money on advertising or marketing. They have so many referrals. It's outrageous. Everyone says you need to get a home through shoreline construction. And so every business can do that. Whatever you're in, if you're an accountant, what's the process of when the person first calls you all the way through it? If you're a lawyer, it doesn't matter. And I think you need to look at from what frustrates you about the, the experience from a customer and then how do you make that amazing experience? 
Oh man, that sounds really cool. I was going to ask the question, you know, why, why would they do that? Right? Because the customer's already written the check, the house is being built and they're going to be happy when they get a house. But then you talk about this idea of getting referrals to other customers. They don't have to advertise as much. And that's, that's a huge factor when you're doing business. Well, what's the average value of a customer for life? You know, it's a great book by Carl Sewell. He realized he had car dealerships that a customer was worth $517,000 for life if they continue to buy cars and get service. So if you think about whatever, even podcast and whatever, if you have someone that's buying your stuff for life and they're worth $100,000, $200,000, how much would you spend in the beginning and all the way through to make sure it's a great experience? And that's how we look at it. And I think you should look at it that way. It makes it a lot easier to say it's justified. That's your marketing expense. Put it on the customer experience. Hmm. Okay. So for me, I'm going to get selfish for a second here. I'm a consultant, right? I work, I work with clients. I have a typical process where I'll, I'll meet with them and ask questions and find out about what's going on with their business and where are areas where I could help. How could I re-engineer this to stand out more like you did with this home builder? So I would write down, and maybe you can get some help from this. If people think, hey, the word consultant's a tough word. A lot of people don't look at consultants positively, but I'd write down all the negative things people say about consultants from that perspective. So write down, what do people hate about consultants or the consultant process? Or if you work with businesses, what do they not like about that? What is the perfect experience? Now, we haven't worked with too many consultants, but I'll tell you uh, right now, transparency would be very, how do you make it so clear on what to expect and what you're going to get? How do you take away the fear of if you don't deliver results? You know, there's little pieces like that. And then how do you really go through the process of, of give them some extras and above and beyond, you know, give them bonuses throughout the process. Now, again, I don't know your business, but I'm just trying to, if I'm going to get consulted from you, I'd want to feel like, wow, you are going above and beyond throughout. You're there. I know what to expect. And it's different than the other consultant who's here to get a $10,000 check, $20,000 check, and then they're gone or whatever. Even if it's on a monthly basis, you know, they're just here for a little bit. And again, I'd have to know more about the business, but I think that's a starting point. Yeah, but, but starting with thinking about, because I, you know, as I try to find ways to stand out more, whether it be a consultant, coach, podcast, or whatever it is, oftentimes it's, okay, what else can I do? What other great things can I do for my clients? And what nice things can I send them? That sort of stuff, which is great, but I hadn't thought about, okay, let's think about all the things that people might hate about working with a consultant or might not like about this. Is it, is it the lack of transparency? Is there too much mystery in the beginning or what is it? You know, I might even want to interview people to figure that out and uh, right. Re-engineer that to overcome some of those things. Eliminate all the friction points. So whatever the friction points people have, that's why for instance, at our ballpark, we know what do people hate going to a ballpark, getting nickel and dimed $5 for this, $7, this for $8 for this. So all of our tickets are all you can eat. They include all the burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwich, soda, water, everything for $15 total. Wow. So we eliminated that friction point. So again, you just try to look at those details. Wow. Yeah. So you, right. Because a lot of people, even though, I don't know, from a capitalistic standpoint, we live in a capitalistic country, people want to pay, should be paying for whatever they want to get. But people do get upset, especially on airlines when they have to pay for extra things. It's amazing. So you've eliminated that friction point. Because I, I thought I remember in your book, you mentioned having an all you can eat night a couple nights, but you've expanded that to the entire yeah, season. When we first started and saw how, you know, again, we did small bets. And I think that's a big thing. Do a small bet. We tried that a few years ago and said people loved it. You pay your one price and you're done. Same thing with a cruise ship. You know, you pay all your food, even though you're not buying alcohol and other things. So we did that. So when people come to our games, they feel like they've already got everything for free. So then they might want to get a shirt or a drink or something bonus in addition to their uh, all you can eat that they have. So do you yeah. run into what are, do you run into risks there with people like over consuming or, you know, costing you too much money from that? 
100%. But most people, what they do is they make their business decisions based on the small amount of people that take advantage of them. So, I mean, think about this. We actually allow people to bring food and drinks into our ballpark. How many sporting events have you go there and say you can't bring food and drinks in? All of them. We let them come in. Because what? It's a handful. Don't make it a bad experience for them. So, you know, again, I've worked with a, a lawyer friend of mine. And basically, you know, think about lawyers. You're charged every 15 minutes, every hour. And you're like, oh, the more I talk to you, the more expensive it gets. Right. So I go, let's just have a set, you know, set number. Like, this is it. You know, no matter what. And I think from a consultancy, that might be one way to think of it, too. Again, that's transparency. So I know working with him, whether it's $2,000 a month, 25, it doesn't matter how many times I talk to him, it's set and you have to adjust later. But just, I think that's yeah. such a key thing. He's eliminating that friction point of saying, I'm going to get a bill for $20,000 at the end of this month, which is brutal. Right. Yeah. And that is a huge friction and scary point for working with lawyers. I mean, I've had some issues over the years where I thought about calling a lawyer and I didn't because I was just too scared of what was going to happen. I was going to get some giant bill that I couldn't afford. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think, I mean, think about like Blockbuster, they charge you for all those late fees. That's where Blockbuster made their money. Every time you were late, they were making your money. So they right. were like hitting you with a bad experience. Yeah, Netflix said, no, no matter what, it's $9.99, as many as you want. That's why right. they killed Blockbuster. So it's, it's looking at those friction points. For people that want to get better at this, uh, what other resources do you recommend? I know you recommended many books within your book, which I thought was great. Uh, you're obviously an average reader and consumer like I am. Um, what's one or two books that you highly recommend for people that are besides your own uh, that are looking to find ways to stand out more in business? You know, again, I, I think I always start on, on customer experience. So, you know, you want to start with raving fans, Ken Blanchard, how to create raving fans, customers for life, Carl Sewell, and then a good buddy of mine, friend, you know, Joey Coleman, never lose a customer again, just came out with one. If, if you want to, the easiest, quickest way to stand out is provide the best possible customer experience. That's the easiest way right now. And so if you learn that, then you'll start kind of thinking of ways to be innovative. Because once you start thinking about that great customer experience, you're going to think of ways that are really abnormal to go above and beyond. And that's when you'll start to stand out. Got it. I like it. And I heard about that. Uh, I think I just bought that book about never lose a customer again. I've heard that recommended from a couple of people. So I'm always outstanding. outstanding. Looking forward to reading that. I'm curious, Jesse, you, you've built this great business with the baseball team and you kind of fell into this because you grew up playing baseball, right? And then you had the connections that got you the GM job. Uh, if you had to give all this up and start over doing something else, what would you do? <laughs> I've been asked that question before. It's so funny because we just brought in a cruise director. I could actually see myself as being a cruise director. Um, it's about entertaining. For me, I just love getting in front of people and seeing people laugh, have fun. Uh, so some type of entertainer, performer, you know, that, that's it. Because that's, that's one of the best levels of customer experience is when you can actually get people laughing, having fun and entertaining them. So I could see myself as a cruise director or some type of host of a big show. I think that would be a lot of fun. Nice. Last question. We talked a lot about standing out, but for anybody that's thinking about starting a business, getting into entrepreneurship as you have, what advice, what other advice do you have for them? What's the first thing they should be thinking about or doing as they're starting to build this business? Focus 100% on others. So I think a lot of people, when you start a business, you start focusing on how much money you can make, how much you can grow it. You know, be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. And if you focus on providing unbelievable value to others, the revenue, the business, everything else will take care of itself. So are you solving a real problem? So a lot of people say they want to get a business. Oh, I want to do this because I like this. Is it a real problem you're solving? Are you passionate about it? Will, will you make a difference? And do you have purpose in that? And so when you can hit all those, whew, you can be unstoppable. So I think that's the starting point.
Love that. Focus on customers, focus on your fans, make sure that you solve problems, give them what they want, give them a great experience and uh, everything else follows suit. I think that's, uh, that's sound advice right there. Um, Jesse, for anybody listening who wants to find out more about you, get your book, check out what's going on with the team and uh, anything else you're doing, where should they go? All right. You search Yellow Tux Jesse, you'll find me, but uh, I post every day, LinkedIn, Facebook, Yellow Tux Jesse, and uh, feel free to reach out. You know, just like you, Andy, I, I respect so many people that ask questions. I think people, they want better answers in life. They got to ask better questions and they got to ask more questions. And I'll never forget a few years ago, I read Mark Cuban's book, was blown away, shot him an email within two hours, Mark Cuban wrote back to me. And great people always want to help others and provide values to others. So I suggest any of your listeners, feel free, shoot me a note on LinkedIn or go to, you know, find your yellow tux, uh, Jesse at find your yellow tux, shoot me an email and I'll help in any way. Got it. All right, Jesse, thanks so much for coming on and sharing some of your story and your wisdom about building a brand and, and setting yourself apart. Really appreciate you coming on the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. Thanks, Andy. Love what you're doing. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. You can find more information at entrepreneurhotseat.com or my personal website, andystorch.com. Please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you have any questions or comments, or if you are looking for ways to take your life and business to the next level, you can send me an email to andy at andystorch.com. Take care.